Five and Jalen Rose has just always been, I don't know, he's always just been one of my favorite players. I go throw it back all the way to the, you know, acne days of Jalen Rose. Even though I, I wasn't really, I wasn't born then, you know, I, I still can respect that era. And um, yeah, that's, he's one of my favorite people in general. So. Ah, your favorite people. Okay. All right. So Molly <laughs> won't have to come and get you. No, no, no. I love Molly. That's what I'm saying. All respect. <laughs> I'm not trying to cross the line. No, uh, I love Molly Karam, honestly. Opulent inventory. Our proud partners here on the show. Now you can finally have the Apple product times the Apple guys. That's right. From AirPods to iPhones to MacBooks to Apple Watches to trade-ins and much more. Now you can have the Apple product of your dreams. Promo code podcast gets you 20% off. That's right. 20% off on any Apple item. Visit Opulent Inventory, Nash and Guardi. Those are great guys on all social media platforms, and on Instagram. Now, let's head back to the show. And we are back, back here inside the Studio Z, the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Myself and my ride partner, Michael Gray, Tri-State Michael Gray now. You know, no longer <laughs> DC Michael Gray. What is popping, man? It's just been a long time coming since we heard from one each other. Yeah, it definitely has. A lot of a lot has been going on. You know, we had we had Thanksgiving going on, family and stuff like that, and then um, then then you know we got um. Work and stuff coming up to Thanksgiving. You know, between Thanksgiving and Christmas is always a crazy time because you're trying to sort out, trying to get as, as much money as you can for family and stuff like that. Um, so it's, it's been a rough ride. Um, just, just got done. at work, but we still here. So everything's good on my end. How you doing? Everything is doing well here. We had great Thanksgiving with our family, myself, another born year, so a certain individual had a birthday as well. So uh, very much appreciated for that and all of the yeah. uh, families and friends and everybody that's tuned in here. Hope that everybody as well has had a very good Thanksgiving um, themselves, uh, too. Some good football, Mike, good football and basketball. You know that Thanksgiving comes with the three Fs, and that's football, family, and fun. And, boy, we had a lot of that. Um, a team that, of course, that did well was your native, the Washington football team, formerly known as yeah. the Redskins, put on a show Thanksgiving Day. I know that that had much excitement for you, Mike, not being a Redskins or a Washington football fan, but of course, always seeing the Dallas Cowboys lose or the Cowgirls, like they used to say, um, and just some other good football. So we'll start off with that, Mike, and we'll start off with what we saw on Thanksgiving Day. Chase Young, uh, wow. Mike Kerrigan, and some of these good guys. How about that rookie Gibson? Three rushing touchdowns mm. on Thanksgiving Day. He might sneak up, Mike, and win Rookie of the Year over Clyde Hedge, Edwards-Hilaire, Justin Herbert, and Joe Burrow. So that's something else to look out. 
and of course the top ranked pass defense of this the Washington football team. What are we seeing now in the nation's capital? What you're seeing is a hungry football team that understands the magnitude of the moment, and they see how how this NFC East and the, what like thereof this how incompetent they have been throughout the season. They see an opportunity themselves and to take over this division and potentially get into the playoffs. I mean, you have a healthy quarterback in Alex Smith who's never been a, a big-time uh, thrower with his arm or anything, but he's a game manager. He doesn't turn the ball over, and he, he, uh, he, helps, he helps guide this offense and make the players around him better. But on top of that, what you're seeing in Washington, man, you're seeing one of the best defensive lines in football when you think about Chase Young, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, um, you know, Ryan Kerrigan, guys like that. They get after the, they get after the quarterback without having to bring immense bl- immense pressure, immense blitzes from the from the linebackers or safety positions. And then you and then you look at it from the standpoint of this three running back tandem that they had with with uh, Antonio Gibson, with Peyton Barber, with uh, J.D. McKissick. Uh, they, with, the way they use these guys in space, whether it's running the football or getting the ball to them out of the backfield, it's exceptional what you're seeing in Washington. What you're seeing is the culmination of a team that's finally starting to come together and finally starting to play their roles and everybody's understanding their moment. Washington has not been a bad team this year if you really pay attention to how they play. They have had trouble finishing games. They should they should have about six or seven wins, especially with Alex Smith. They had an opportunity to beat the Giants, uh, came all the way back against them the second game. Now, a couple of turnovers in the fourth quarter didn't help them. Then you had to come back against Detroit in, in, in Detroit where they were down by 21 points and came all the way back and almost completed that comeback. It was, it was, it was, this is a good football team. They just are finally starting to look hungry. They're finally starting to put everything together. And what you're seeing in Washington is a team that, you know, because of, you know, Daniel Jones's injury with, uh, in New York, because of how incompetent Dallas looks uh, under Andy Dolan, under Mike McCarthy, and because of the shell of himself that Carson Wentz has looked over the last few weeks, along with this Eagles team, you're looking at a Washington team that if they can handle their business and win about two or three more games, they can solidify this division and they can get into the playoffs. Absolutely. Washington looking to be division winners since 2012 when who? RG3 was last quarterback for the formerly known Washington Redskins uh, there for sure. Um, Some of the key games that that are actually recent that we just saw yesterday, the battle of the bloods. That's why I like to call them the Ravens and the Steelers an old AAFC North rivalry, perhaps the best rivalry in the past decade, Mike. I mean, some of the greats have played in this rivalry. Uh, you talk about Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, Troy Palomalu, obviously Ben Roethlisberger, Heinz Ward, the list goes on to Lynn Swan and others. And we expected this. We expected a low scoring gutsy game. It wasn't the Steelers' best performance, especially being the more complete team. We know the Bravens have been decimated with injuries, players being on COVID lists um, and, and not being able to play. But you saw the spirit of the Ravens come out. RG3 made some plays with his legs. Um, Hollywood Brown finally got loose in space. But in the end, that top defense that the Steelers got, who's number one ranked in the NFL, Bud Dupree, TJ Watt, the list goes on with Minka Fitzpatrick, Joe Hayden. Those guys made up plays, and I thought that was the difference maker. It was definitely the difference maker. And you're right, Baltimore played very physical, and they played tough in this game. And you knew they would. They still had that mystique under John Harbaugh, that physical mentality of never say that next man up. They just they just had that, that mentality on that team, and, and it showed. They fought hard, and they played well enough to win this game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. That drive at the end of the first half where um, the tight end dropped the ball uh, in the end zone with zero seconds left on the last play of the, of the half, 
Mika Fitzpatrick ripped it out of his hands. That was the that was the play that pretty much decided this game because it was that close neck and neck. You know, RG three looked pretty looked pretty solid early on, especially in the first half. You know, he, he obviously you know he he came up limp on that run. It looked it, it, it looked like <laughs> it looked like another case of you know you haven't run like that in a long time, and when you break off a big run like that. And you haven't had a bunch of game action. I think your legs, um, they're not as loose as they were back when you were in Washington back in 2012, you know. So I, when I saw that, that's exactly what the first thing that came to my mind. But Baltimore played very tough. Pittsburgh just closed and sealed the deal in the fourth quarter and, and made the plays that they needed necessary to cap it all. But every time, I don't care who's on the field. You know, it's, even you look at it, it was a third-string quarterback at the time. When it comes to Ravens and, Ravens and Steelers, it's always going to be a dog fight. It's always going to be physical, and that's exactly what we got. Yeah, agreed. So two teams that have the same identity, hard-nosed, blue-collar, just smash my football, and that was definitely shown in Heinz Field. The Steelers, not only 11-0 now, Mike, but wrapping up the season meeting against the Ravens, winning both games, and still holding surge as the top seed in the AFC. Speaking of a team right behind their tails, Mike, and no team in the NFL is hotter then the defending champs, Andy Reid's unit right now with Kyrie Hill and, of course, Patrick Mahomes, what these guys are doing right now. Mike, I don't know. I, I think it's safe to say Mahomes is probably surged as the leading candidate for MVP. 30 touchdowns, two in- interceptions through almost <laughs> three-fourths of the season. Tyree Hill, I mean, must we say more about this guy? Leading the NFL in receiving yards, and also second in touchdowns receiving only to Devontae Adams and, um, excuse me, uh, his teammate, actually, and Travis Kelsey. I mean, these guys right now, Mike, are just putting on a show. They're clicking in all cylinders. And as it stands, it would potentially be the Steelers who would host these guys in Heinz Field if that were the case. But, man, one thing I don't understand, Mike, when you look at that Tampa Bay game, how would you single cover Tyreek Hill? And he even mentioned it, too. He mentioned it, too. He said, help is on the way, end quote. He said that on the sidelines, and they had young Carlton Davis guarding pretty much an all-pro guy that is probably going to be in a Hall of Fame someday, Mike. Yeah, Carlton Davis, um, some of it wasn't always single coverage. Some of it was a, a zone coverage that looked like man from the lineup. But but uh, the the safety and the help defender was supposed to rotate over. It just wasn't executed properly, and it looks like Carlton Davis was out there on the island by himself, one on one. And you know it's it's that that's a nightmare for any cornerback going against Tyreek Hill with that speed that he that he has. So it it, it was interesting to see. I, I feel like Todd Bowles had an interesting game plan against Tyreek Hill. The players just, just didn't execute it well enough on the field. So it was it was inter- it was interesting to see. But um, I feel. This Kansas City team right now, the way they're playing, and the momentum that they have on their, in their favor, this is this is a this team is poised to continue going and to make a big time run. I mean, Pittsburgh, all all they're doing right now is putting even more pressure on Pittsburgh to dominate and continue to to get wins. Because if Pittsburgh slips up, it's like you know, um, they they know how important that home field advantage is going to be. And Kansas City right now looks good. They look uh, efficient defensively as well because you know, you know, we're talking about Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Hill and everything, but. Defensively, this this team is sixth in the league in points allowed, and they 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 give up yards, they bend, but they don't break as much as as much as they they used to in the past. And um, what I'm seeing is an improvement in certain areas, and um, I I I fully expect 
I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see what, what the end of the season is going to look like as far as Kansas City is concerned because we know what we're going to get from this offense, but this team goes as far as how much how, how much does this defense is going to bend. Agreed, agreed. So another AFC foe that is on their tails, Mike, and I would put in that discussion as the top three in the AFC um, come playoff time is the Tennessee Titans. I remember I've always said, Mike, remember the Titans or you better tighten up because when you look at this Tennessee Titans team, Mike, as an opponent, you on the sidelines, you're at warm-ups, you see, <laughs> you see Derek Henry, you're like, oh, number 22, that guy? We got to stop that guy? He looked like a, a defensive end out there. Then you realize he's your running back. And then that physical offensive line that they had last year, all five starters coming back again. They didn't miss a beat outside of Jack Coughlin, who got who left free agency for the Browns. And then, of course, Mike, you have A.J. Brown, and, and you have Tannehill. And I, wouldn't it be nice, Mike, to be quarterback for the Titans? Play action must work every time. And then that's when you get A.J. Brown, and his girth and size looks loose. I would love to see a wrestling match of D.K. Metcalf and A.J. Brown. That would be something to watch. Just the mass and the, the girth, the speed of these guys. Um, it's just unbelievable to watch. Tennessee, to me, Mike, is in that same discussion as with the Chiefs and the Steelers. And I would say this, that is one team that neither of those two teams want to want to face because they have an identity, Mike. What they do best is we're going to run the football. We're going to get about 10 possessions in the playoffs because we believe number 22 back there, our best man can't guard your best man. We're going to line up front in the trenches. We're going to run the football with 22. And if you can't stop him, it's going to be a long night. We're going to have 10 possessions of the ball where you're going to have only four. We're going to clock manage. We're going to run the football and going to play solid defense. And that defense, Mike, led by Mike Vrabel, is starting to keep up. Tennessee, to me, is a very interesting team. And not only a team to make noise in the AFC, but a Super Bowl dark horse. That, absolutely. And this is a team coming off an AFC championship versus against those Kansas City Chiefs. The, the only question that we have for Tennessee and that we're going to have in, in the preeminent future about this team is when teams load up the box and they're, they're geared to stop Derrick Henry, can Ryan Tannehill take them home? Can there be a game in the playoffs when Derrick Henry isn't as effective or, or isn't impacting the game as, and look, doesn't look as dominant as he usually does? When that happens, can Ryan Tannehill help take this team home? And that's going to be the deciding factor because that was the deciding factor against Kansas City last, last year in the playoffs when they loaded up and they, 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 the defensive game plan was to continuously stop him and load up and stop Derrick Henry. And Ryan Tannehill couldn't close and couldn't bring it home for them against a hot Patrick Mahomes. So it's going to come down to that against the Steelers, against the, 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 the Chiefs or against the Ravens, anybody. It's going to come down to when, when, when Derrick Henry is neutralized, can Ryan Tannehill take them home? Do they have, will they have enough to, to, to beat one of these top offensive teams? And, and that's going to be the key. But outside of that, I mean, when you look at this team top to bottom, I'm glad you brought up the, the, the all five offensive linemen starters are coming back because that's vital. And people, I feel like that's an underrated aspect here in the NFL as far as cohesion is concerned because that cohesion, that, that understanding and that camaraderie between those five players being able to protect the quarterback and facilitate holes for the running back is, is important and uh, is needed to continue to move forward and to continue to get to that next step from the previous season. So Tennessee is definitely a dark horse team. They're definitely a Super Bowl contending team based on how they coached, how they ran, how um, the, the, the players that they have against each other. That that was a dominant win against the Indianapolis Colts. They've now between the Colts and the Titans, 
they both traded dominant wins against each other on the road. Indianapolis got them first, and now Tennessee came right back in Indianapolis and did the same thing to them. So it's going to be interesting to see moving forward who wins this division. And also, if these two teams were to play in the playoffs, that would be must-see TV, Sebi. Yes, it would. Agreed. So it would be must-see TV if all those teams were to meet again. And even an AFC championship rematch, if that were to happen in the playoffs Mm. as well. Some things to know about the Tennessee Titans, Mike. They've got some great wins. They beat Buffalo at home. They've kind of uh, split with the Colts, but they only lost by three to the Steelers. And, of course, their matchup against the uh, Baltimore Ravens. They went into Baltimore again for the second time in 2020. Remember when they did in the playoffs last year as well? In Baltimore and beat them. So quality wins for a team that we think is a Super Bowl continuing team on the Tennessee Titans. Quickly before we shift to the NFC side of the bracket here, the AFC starting to shape up now. Any wild card team to you, Mike, that has been really good, sneakily good, that you think that could poise some noise on for these top three teams that we think are going to be good? The Browns, they're eight and three. They're starting to kind of their first ever, Mike, first ever season that they're actually going to have a winning season, right? They're they're not going to finish seven and nine, six and ten. They're eight and three thus far. Baker Mayfield, Chubb, and Kareem Hunt has been the catalyst. They're number two in the NFL in rushing. And that rushing attack is what's led them there. You got the Dolphins at seven and four. You got the Raiders, although they they've battled really close with the Chiefs. They know how to play the Chiefs. One loss, one close loss, and one other big win in Arrowhead. Out of these three or four teams, even the Ravens, if they get Lamar back, out of these teams, who are you looking at? Uh, to be honest with you, Sebi, my team is going to shock you because it's none of the teams you just mentioned. My team is the Houston Texans. Wow. The Houston Texans have been playing some very good football, especially since Romeo Romeo Cornell has, has come over as as the head coach after after the firing of Bill O'Brien. Romeo Cornell first is one of his second games. He had a chance to beat the Tennessee Titans. It, it took Derrick Henry to have an all-world game to to beat them. They come back and and they have they have quality wins. They have wins against the Patriots at home. They have a dominant performance on Thanksgiving against Detroit, where their offense looks looks amazing. People got to understand this as well. Deshaun Watson is having a very good year. Deshaun Watson's numbers this year are MVP caliber. The only reason Deshaun Watson is not in the MVP conversation is because his team, the record, they, they started off so slow. That's the only reason. Because what, what he's doing right now with uh, 24 touchdowns, I believe five interceptions, uh, over 30, over 31, 3,200 yards passing right now, he's playing exceptional football. He's not turning the ball over, and he's, he's he knows – He's reading the defense. He's not doing too much. He's taking what the defense gives him. He's using his legs when he needs to to pick up those first downs and keep drives going. He's making those plays down the field, um, you know, with guys. And this is coming off of losing his best receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. This team is forming together. This team is starting to look dangerous at the right time. And you want to be peaking at a certain time going going into the postseason. And Houston right now, if they can make a run, potentially winning four out of five or three out of five or, or anything like that and sneak into the playoffs, I'm telling you right now, this is going to be a dangerous team. And I'm glad you picked that, Mike, because Houston has gone under the radar. And uh, last four games, last four weeks for Deshaun Watson, 16, listen to this, 16 touchdowns, zero picks. Unbelievable. Like, that's, would we say that's Mahomes-esque? Would you say that's Russell Wilson or Rodgers-esque? I think so. And not only that, Mike, I think if I'm Deshaun Watson, I give 
the Texans two years because I think they're wasting the the prime years of his career. Obviously, he hasn't entered his prime, but we think as great as Deshaun Watson was in Clemson, he's as good and as advertised in the NFL. And he hasn't missed the playoffs in his first three seasons. You, he cashed in last year and that massive contract. I think the Texans are wasting Deshaun Watson if they don't try to get him some help and help really fast. But I agree with you, Mike. The Texans are definitely a team to watch out for. Let's go quickly to the NFC. And NFC, where I think is pretty much open, I think there's three or four teams that legitimately can say they can come out of there. But every team that's, to me, Mike, has a flaw. Green Bay, eight and three, mm. second in the conference right now. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, uh, arguably you, you could put them with Mahomes and Hill. That dynamic between wide receiver and quarterback duo is as good as it gets. And, of course, we know what Matt LaFleur presents as a offensive caller. And the defense, Mike, is starting to come around. The guys that you like, Preston, Zadarius Smith, you also like Jair Alexander. So that Packer defense has been playing well. But their noticeable weakness, Mike, is stopping the run. And my worry for them is yeah. when they play physical teams that can get after the quarterback, they, they have question marks in the front. And also when they play teams that smash the football come January, you got to be able to run the football in the playoffs. That's my concern with Green Bay. With the Saints, they look good all around, all phases, right? Offense, defense, and special teams. They're as good as it gets. But my concern is 41-year-old Drew Brees, rib injury. How will he come back? A guy that's 41 years old, that's alarming to me, Mike. You're already 41, you get a rib injury, and we know what the Saints have done in recent memory in the postseason they're great in the regular season, but the postseason is where they're judged and they've had failures. You look at the, the, the Seahawks, explosive on offense, rather pedestrian on defense. And then the Bucks, right? The Bucks, all these weapons, you can't block Tom Brady. And now that defense, Mike, that you talked about last week is starting to get exposed because how young they are and they haven't gelled in. So I think those four teams have a good legitimate case to make it out of the conference but there's some tweaking so do you out of these teams which one do you like the most which one do i like the most out of these four teams you got to, I, I would i would say the most sound out of all four of them so far this season has been the new orleans saints even without drew Brees, because on all three phases of the, of the game this team just they just play sound together i mean you know when you talk about green bay yes they yes they have uh you know they look great but defensively they're nine, they dropped the 19th in the league and um, you know they they have they have shown that there are some holes in that defense, uh, especially in different matchups and coverages and stuff like that. Um, you Seattle's defense is the Seattle's defense. We've seen you know they have the players, they have certain key players on that defense, but they haven't been able to put it all together just yet. Um, and that's my concern with them. And they're forcing Russell Wilson feels like he has to do too much offensively and make the big play because he's not 100% confident in what his defense is going to bring on a week-to-week basis. Um, and, then, and then, and then, like you said, you have um, you know other, other other teams like Tampa Bay, who we've seen them over the last three weeks. They started to fumble, and they they haven't looked like themselves. But I, I would go with New Orleans, assuming that Drew Brees will, is coming back soon. I would go with them. I'm not a believer in Taysom Taysom Hill as their starting quarterback right now. I think that he's right now he's just game managing, and they're winning games in spite of him, not because of him. You know, but he's just not losing games for them. He's not going out there making boneheaded decisions and things like that nature. But if I had to go with a team right now, I would go with a Drew Brees-led New Orleans Saints whenever that is because 
even right right now without Drew Brees, this team still is finding ways to win in other ways, defensively getting turnovers, special teams making big plays, led by this coaching staff, you know, Deshaun um, Payton. So I would go with the New Orleans Saints on all three phases of the game and how solid they look. The only thing they're missing right now is their Hall of Fame quarterback. In agreed, Jesus. agreed. And one thing I always say, Mike, in the regular season, you can get away with game managers, but come postseason time, you need the game changers. And we all know Drew Brees yeah. is that guy there uh, for sure. Outside of those teams I mentioned, Mike, uh, maybe a team that's good, creeping up in the wild card, right? All of a sudden, the Vikings, all of a sudden, behind Dalvin Cook, he's starting mm-hmm. to be in the MVP race right now, alongside Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. We think that the Seahawks will win the division, but the Cardinals can get in. All of a sudden, now a massive win from the 49ers, right? Going into L.A. and getting a win. But, of course, you got the Rams as well, Mike, who's second in the NFC West. And the NFC West, where I said that's the best division in football. So, out of these teams, any sneaky team in the NFC that if they can win three straight games on the road, they can probably make the Super Bowl. Sebi, I was this close. I was this close to saying Minnesota. I don't, I'm not too sure about Dalvin Cook's injury. That's what concerns me, because Minnesota with Dalvin Cook can can run the table and could potentially get into the playoffs with how good Dalvin Cook has been playing. But without his injury, I would have to take them out, and I would have to. And I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. I I like I really do like what I'm saying with this San Francisco 49ers team, even without Jimmy G right now, because I assume Jimmy G will be back within the next few weeks or so. Jimmy G, this this 49ers team has championship pedigree. And you saw it against the L.A. Rams. It's always, every time they play the Rams or any other teams in the division, they always match up well, and it's always going to be a tough physical battle. But what I saw with this San Francisco team, getting Richard Sherman back, getting Debo Samuel back, getting healthier, this team, they're getting some of their pieces back uh, to, to complement the other the players that were already there. I love what I'm seeing from this San Francisco team, and, and they, 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 they showed a physical, grit, tough way to get a win on the road. Against a very good uh, LA Rams team who's been playing lights out, you know. Uh, so I, I'm gonna go with San, the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, if if if, um, if if they can continue to keep this going, and Kyle Shanahan can continue to keep his troops uh, ready to go, and uh, assuming Jimmy G is gonna come back, I, I love what I'm seeing from the San Francisco team. And don't be surprised if they if they're forced to make another run because they're getting hot. And they're getting their players back at the right time in order to get some get their legs under them before playoffs. Agreed there for sure. Nick Bosa, and I know he's out for the year. Richard Sherman yeah. is coming back. Some of these great pass rushers that they had a year ago are starting to come back. Here's a funny stat of in that division, right? The division I think that's best in football, yeah. right? McVay, Sean McVay is five and one against Pete Carroll in Seattle, but Cal Shanahan has gotten the better of McVay. He's five and one against yeah, yeah. Uh, against McVay, so. You ask yourself, Mike, who's going to win that division? We don't even know. That's the beauty of the NFC West. All these great coaches in that division. Even Chris Kingsbury is starting to come up. The Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Because when we come back, we head to the state of Indiana. Our next guest with us live inside Studios East.
And we are back here on the Sevy Podcast Radio Show. Our next guest is with us today. She is a senior out of Bloomington, Indiana, at the University, Indiana University, excuse me, home of the Hoosiers, covers football and basketball for the Hoosiers, and a proud and ascending young journalist, Alia Hassan, is with us today. A pleasure to have you on. Thank you, guys. So, thank you so much for having me. No problem, no problem. So, uh, how have you been, and then how's the cold winters out there in Indiana this far? Oh, gosh, it's... You know, Indiana has probably the most bipolar weather in the United States. You know, it's it's 71 week and the next week it's 32 degrees. So, you know, I'm I'm dealing with that, but it's not bad. Gotcha. I don't know if anything bipolar in Florida, but uh, <laughs> you can rain and you can get cold and then it get hot yearly. So it, it, it changes too there as well. Um, big game this past weekend against Wisconsin. Um, Indiana, they've been they've been shocking. A school that is predominantly known as a basketball school, all of a sudden they've they've started to make a, a national surge in the football uh, um, area on their um, program. Talk to us about that and the huge win out there in Wisconsin and what it felt to win a big game like that in Madison. Oh yeah, for sure. So I did not have any doubts going into this Wisconsin game, but. Um, you know, they still called it an upset. We unfortunately lost our quarterback, Michael Penix, last week due to a torn ACL. So um, now our starting quarterback, Jack Tuttle, made his first career start for IU. And I think a lot of people were nervous for that. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, we ended up coming back with the win. We're six and one now. Um, Actually, like an hour ago, I saw that we're ranked number nine in the country, according uh, to the coaches poll. So um, it's been an amazing season. You know, we did have that one loss to Ohio State, but, you know, we beat Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, and now, you know, the Wisconsin Badgers. So I think this team is incredible. And I think what Tom Allen has been able to do um, and has been able to weaponize, like, our best players, I think it's just been amazing. Yeah, and speaking of coaches' poll on Tuesday, the selection weekend gets to pick out um, the top four. And right now, IU is looking at a New Year's Six Bowl for their success they had in the Big Ten. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, Elia, uh, talk to me about this this defense because it looks like in this game against Wisconsin, they picked up exactly where they left off against uh, against Maryland last week. This defense looked incredible, and um, it really, really was the 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 tone setter for this uh, win, a big win against Wisconsin. How do you see this defense uh, getting better moving forward? Oh, yeah. The IU defense is where things got started. You know, our cornerback, Taiwan Mullen, he got he sacked uh, Graham Mertz. I think that's how you pronounce it, um, late in the first quarter. And then that was recovered by James Miller. So I think Tom Allen, he should be so impressed with the defensive effort that we've, um, that we've been able to put in. You know, we've had – we ended up with two takeaways and three sacks. And honestly, that's just great for a team against like, like Wisconsin. Do, do you see a recipe for success moving forward with, with Michael Penis Jr. Uh, injured right now with, with how, uh, how Jake Tuttle didn't have a, a huge, a huge game this past week, but he didn't, he also didn't create uh, any huge turnovers that were, was a deciding factor of you potentially losing this game. Well, do you see a recipe for success of him getting better moving forward as far as potentially, you know, 
potentially helping this team continue to stay in the top 10 in the country. Right. Like I said, this was Jack Tuttle's first career start for IU. Um, You know, you can't really expect much, but honestly, he completed, what, 13 of 22 passes for 130 yards and had two touchdowns. So I honestly think um, he did the best that he could. and, And you can see that he's kind of stepped up and he probably never thought that this was probably never thought that, you know, this is going to happen. But I think he's made the best of the situation. And honestly, um, we can just hope for him to get better. And that's it. I think, I mean, I think just in the position that he's been put in, I think he's done uh, fairly well, but uh, I definitely think that we are going to be successful. You know, we are going to finish out the regular season against Purdue uh, this Saturday. So, that's going to be that's going to be um, a big one because those are our biggest rivals right now. So, uh, yeah, I think we're on the road to success. That's right. It is rivalry. Week. Yeah. So the state of Indiana is yes. in full display. Purdue and Indiana, the rights for the state of Indiana, obviously, uh, who gets bragging rights um, there as well. What stood out to me was the Ohio State game, um, how they, you know, had a sluggish start. And then, you know, in the second half, found this surge or found this jolt of energy and being able to come back. Now, obviously, they fell short. But um, to me, from what I saw in that game to now, I saw the defense make significant strides. Talk to me about that and their performance. And do you think that Ohio State um, lost kind of gave them that opportunity to have confidence that they could do some damage here in the Big Ten? Yeah, honestly, when I was watching that game, I was like, this is such a bad game for Ohio State. I did not – Justin Fields, he threw, what, two, three picks that game? I don't know. It was it was bad. But um, I definitely thought – how do I say this? For how bad that um, people thought that game was going to go, I feel like our team has shown time and time again that no matter how badly you may be losing, no matter how badly the odds may be stacked against us, no matter how many times people on Sports Center are choosing, you know, against us, the team against us, we have still come back and shown that, you know, we are contenders. We are, you know, a really big team to watch out for. So honestly, if that game showed anything, it, it just showed how much we fight until the end we don't give up agreed agreed there go ahead mike yeah no doubt what what are um what are your odds and what is your thinking about this team potentially making the big 10 championship so i don't know if you guys know but for the per the big 10 rules if ohio state has one more game canceled you know they've had uh, two games i'm not sure two three games yeah they had two games canceled postponed yeah. yeah um so if they get one more game canceled, they'll not, they're not going to be eligible for the Big Ten title game. And we're currently in second place. So, you know, I'm hoping no, I don't, I don't hope injury or hurt on anyone, but I'm, it would be such a great thing if we ended up, you know, getting that spot and, you know, snagging first place in the Big Ten. But, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. A, a rematch, a rematch would be would be uh, something that I know Indiana would be definitely uh, looking forward. Oh to. yeah, definitely. <laughs> right, yeah. and not only that, the rematch would be in Lucas Oil Stadium, home of the Indianapolis Colts. Um, let's switch gears to the basketball 
um, aspect of this. Um, regardless of the success that Indiana has had in the football area, Indiana is a proud and rich tradition for its basketball. Um, some of the greats, Yogi Ferrell to Cody Zeller to um, the great Isaiah Thomas, Victor Oladipo, the list goes on. Um, talk to me and and just your personal experience, just being there and covering how, how it feels to be in just holy grail inside of um, Assembly Hall. Can you tell me what it means to be one of the lucky ones to just be inside that gym? So I'm going to just correct you really quick. So I actually cover um, women's basketball, but I am I cover men's basketball. I do reporting and I write stories on men's basketball. So I personally don't get to be inside Assembly Hall during the men's basket during men's basketball. But I do get to be inside Assembly Hall during the women's basket during women's basketball. And I can tell you that, you know, men's women's basketball, IU has a great, amazing basketball program. And um uh, we have you know, <laughs> pardon me for that. I didn't know, but go ahead. No, 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 that's okay. That's okay. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a photographer and videographer for the football team and the IU women's basketball team. Oh, it'd be awesome if I could cover men's basketball too. But, uh, yeah. So considering that, um, you know, the season just started a couple weeks ago for men's basketball. Um, we've played Tennessee tech, Providence, Texas, Stanford, you know, we won all of them except the Texas game, which was really hard to see, which is understandable because they're ranked 17. But um, I think that was a disaster offensively. But um, at the end of the day, like I've, I've read and I've seen and I've heard in so many books, stories, movies, you know, it's not about the bad performance and it's all about how you respond to it. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, um, now we're headed to play Florida State, ranked 22nd, and uh, we were able to come back with that, you know, bounce back performance against Stanford after our loss to Texas and without our, you know, senior guard Al Durham. And that kind of showed a lot about this team. And that just shows about a lot about Indiana as a whole, Indiana sports, you know. Agreed there. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I know you cater more towards the women's side, but but definitely talk to me about, you know, Trace. Jackson Davis. He's coming off a game where he had 31 points at 6'9", uh, as lethal as he potentially could be. Do you see him um, uh, continue to dominate this season? And and how how how, how big is his stock going to go up this year? So, Trace Jackson Davis, you know, he had two bad games, and then he came out and looked like, you know, an all-star in the third game and, like, all-American in the third game. Uh, you know, he came out as a- aggressive in that last game and, uh, you know, going through players and stuff, but I honestly think that – how do I say this? I think the veterans definitely s- stood up or definitely stepped up against Stanford. Um, you know, Jerome Hunter, Rob Finnessy. Uh, but like I said, Trace has been – you know, last game he played like an All-American. And, you know, I don't know when Al Durham or Joey Brunk are coming back. But I think, honestly, the problem is with IU basketball um, is the freshmen. You know, if they can get the freshmen up to speed, uh, like Trey Galloway, Trey Galloway can contribute. You know, he played so well during the tennis net game, but I think he kind of got overwhelmed. And you saw that with Christian Lander too, when they were playing these, you know, big conference teams. So I feel like if you can get these freshmen to contribute 10, 15, 20 minutes in the game and still be effective, it's going to do so much for this team because defensively, 
for the most part, that's something they've brought in every game, you know, three of them against being major conference teams. So. Agreed there. Um, talk to me about you know, the Big Ten as a whole. It, it's uh, predominantly the ACC and the Big Ten and college basketball when you talk about the men's aspect. Um, in, the, in the Big Ten, you've got some big challenges this year. Illinois is really good. you got Luca Garza in Iowa. How do you think that I, um, IU stands in the whole conference as a whole when you look at um, seeding it in that aspect? Right. I, I think they definitely have a lot of lessons to learn, you know, before they go up against those, you know, Big Ten teams like Michigan State and Illinois who are at the top. Um, I definitely think Indiana can get there. I, I think it's a good team. I don't think it's it's at its peak. Definitely not. It's not it's not great, but I'm really happy, happy with the defense. If defense is consistent, um, you know, sometimes it's OK if the offense is, is lacking a little bit. Uh, I think this this team is just how like Bobby Knight coached this team. It's, it's very it's like a defensive concept. It's it's just very enjoyable to watch this team. Um, yeah, I and mean, that's how I feel. There there's going to be hiccups. You know, there's usually we kind of get to see before different like invitationals. We get to see you know an exhibition game or you know whatever two or three warm up games, but. You know, teams aren't in their normal flow right now. So that's – you kind of have to consider that early on in the season. Agreed there. And in, on the women's aspect uh, in which you cover, what has been going on in that aspect thus far? So we're currently – sorry, I'm getting so excited. We're currently ranked 13th. So um, right now the season just started. We're 2-0. and We played uh, pretty small schools, Eastern Kentucky University. Completely blew them out of the water, 100-51. to then came back and beat Samford 71 to 26. Uh, today at four o'clock, actually, uh, we'll play Kentucky, who are ranked 11th. And that's definitely going to be interesting to see as it's one of the you know bigger names and games we're going to play. So we haven't actually played them in 14 years. And the last time we played them was back in 2006 and the Hoosiers won. So um, we have a lot of standout players, Allie Patberg, Grace Berger, Mackenzie Holmes. And uh, we've averaged around 72 points per game and are shooting from 46% from the field. So I think we've done great so far, but obviously um, today we'll kind of determine where we're at and where we stand as we play Kentucky. So it's always a good thing to test yourself against top 15 opponents. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, and then absolutely. What's, what's out of all your times covering Indiana sports, whether it's football, basketball, what's that one moment that you, that stands out the most to you that you, that that'll be the most memorable. The most memorable. Hmm. Let me think. I how did I say this? So I covered uh, the Michigan game, the IU versus Michigan game, the football game. This was early November. So I just remember that after the game was done, you know, we won that game, and I just loved seeing the team together and how Tom Allen interacts with his players and how much you can truly see that through a coach. If you know when a coach is good, you don't need to know anything about the team or how they performed. If you watch the coach and how he interacts with his players, how he talks about his team, Tom Allen is the ideal of what you would want. You know, we have the saying, it's mm -hmm. called um, love each other. That's Leo. That's what we go by in Indiana football and Indiana sports. You know, we're built on that foundation. And when I saw that, 
you know, for the, for one of the first times in front of me covering an IU football game, I was just like, wow, these, these guys are lucky. And Tom Allen is lucky. These players are lucky, but you know, it, it was, that was just kind of a moment where I was like, wow, I love football. I love basketball. I love all sports when I get, when you get to see that. It's an amazing film. Love it. Love to hear it. Love to hear that as well there for sure. Um, talk to some of the other uh, things that you're involved in outside of IU football. I, I know you are a contributor for some other platforms in fantasy football and things of that nature. Um, just uh, bear with us about that and talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. So I actually work for um, the East West Football Network. I'm a social media host. So I do I host my own uh, fantasy football show called This Week in Fantasy on there. Uh, Make sure you guys give them a follow. And I also intern for a local TV station here in Bloomington. I'm a production intern for WTIU. And um, so that's more football. It's more production. And then my basketball where it comes in. uh, I'm a social media intern for Ballers Nation. Um, so make sure you give them a follow as well. That's what I'm all, I'm all kind of doing on the side and hopefully soon starting my own, uh, basketball podcast, which is, will be under the sports fluent network. So I'm doing a, uh, quite a bit of things, but I enjoy all of it. Talk to me about this. Cause I, I I've been peeping. Well, what's going on with you and Jalen Rose? What, what's up with that? <laughs> you gotta talk to me about that. You know, I don't know if it's a fantasy or. I don't know if you're trying to uh, throw shade at Adam Hamid, uh, 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 Hassan, or, or if you're related to him. What's what's going on with that? I feel like you're throwing some indirect shade there. <laughs> There's nothing going on. Oh, oh Mike, you got you got to follow her on Twitter, Mike. You you got to follow. Her. Besides the fact, oh, oh, besides okay, the fact that he is one of my favorite players ever, Fab Five was like that's so bad that I'm saying this. I'm admitting it right now. Being an IU fan. I love the Fab Five, and Jalen Rose has just always been, I don't know, he's always just been one of my favorite players. I go throw it back all the way to the, you know, acne days of Jalen Rose. Even though I, I wasn't really, I wasn't born then, you know, I, I still can respect that era. And, um, yeah, that's he's one of my favorite people in general, so. Oh, your favorite people. Okay, all right. So Molly <laughs> won't have to come and get you. No, no, no. I love Molly. That's what I'm saying. All respect. <laughs> I'm not trying to cross the line. No, uh, I love Molly Karam. Honestly, she's probably been one of my biggest um, inspirations in the sports industry, sports broadcasting industry. Uh, Not only is she a woman, she's a woman of color. um, And you don't see a lot of that representation in this industry at all. So, Right, right. A proud pacer rooting for Jalen Rose. I respect that. I respect (laughs) that uh, for sure. Um, this actually gets to our um, other side of our segment where we kind of dig dive into the interpersonal and the personal side of our guests. We do this for all of our, our guests here. So, Mike, you want to go ahead with it? Yeah, sure. No doubt. Um, let me see. Where do I start? Outside of, outside of sports, what, what's, what's, one, what's uh, two hobbies that you love to do? I love to read. Um, honestly, I am a... It's so bad. I'm obsessed with sports. I read a lot of sports books, but I also read a lot of, how do I say this? I mean, it sounds bad. I read a lot of like self-help books. You know, in college, it's, it gets, uh, it can get really stressful at times, especially, you know, when you're in industry, especially now during, you know, the pandemic, it's hard because, you know, sports is 
even though it's still going on, you know, there happen, there's layoffs happening left and right in this industry, um, you know, especially now. So, you know, something to help me stay motivated. I read a lot. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. That's what I like to do. And then um, I love to, <laughs> I love to work out too. You know, anything that can kind of ease my mind a little bit. It's a good stress relief, I would say. That's what's up. Things to keep you occupied and productive. Uh, right. I expect that. Um, what does it mean to uh, about a tradition? It seems like Indiana is a tradition um, when it comes to sports. What makes it different uh, in, in your thoughts from any other state? Well, Indiana, first of all, like I said before, we're built on the foundation of love each other. So no matter how bad the loss may, may be, we're, we still feel like a community. There's no disconnect. I feel like there's not anyone that sees like Indiana. If we have a bad season, that's okay. We're all still Indiana fans at the end of the day. You know, we say, okay, you know, just try to perform better next season or, or the next game. So I think that's kind of a big thing. Like there's this, how do I say it? Indiana isn't, isn't really looked at as like a very big, uh, sports. The first thing you don't think of when you think of sports is Indiana. But I think this year we've kind of been able to show everyone that, hey, we are contenders and we are not going to stop trying no matter how many, how how much people may doubt us. You know, um, we still come and we still show out and fans, players, everyone a part of any Indiana sports uh, organization. I think we all have kind of that same mentality. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Do you are, are you into music of any sort? Yeah, I'm into music. I would say um, so. Uh, growing up, I, I think I was more heavily into rap, um, but now I'm more into like uh, I guess I'm still into rap, more like R and B music, or um, I would say more like that. I'd say rap and R and B are probably the two that I listen to. Okay. I, yeah. I got a, I got all right. I got a question here for you. The verses are coming up. So who do you got, Keisha Cole or Ashanti? Ashanti. Oh well, that's actually really hard. Yeah, it's, it's pretty tough. <laughs> that that that's coming up, Mike. I got to tune into that one. That, that's <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's, but that's you know, playing. I grew up. I guess I I never really appreciated growing up. You know. Uh, artists like Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey, Janet Jackson, like, and now I'm, I listen to them all the time. And I'm just like, wow, like they are really amazing artists. Mary J. Blige, Alicia Keys. Yeah. I I grew up on all of them, but I think now I I appreciate it more than ever. If you were the uh, general manager of the Pacers, obviously you're a huge Pacer fan. Mm -hmm. If there's one guy that you would love um, for you to make a trade for, who would that be? Oh gosh. <laughs> oh my god. I think got to be well, some Is it like is it like something that's like could happen like very practical or is it like any no, just just a, any dream player that you'd like to have uh, Indiana Drake. We will take this team over the hump. <laughs> um oh gosh. She seemed like a Curry fan, Mike. 
<laughs> I was gonna say that, but I was like, I was like, they're gonna like clown me for that. Mike, Mike, I, I know, I can see it. I can yeah. see it. That's how I do. I see the curry. It's it's written. It's written all in her face. I can see. Uh, honestly, I love Kawhi <laughs> Leonard a lot. I wish Paul George would come back. I wish Paul George would come back. Oh my gosh, he was he was my favorite player on the Pacers uh, growing up. But uh, Kawhi or Paul George, I've I've been watching Kawhi since he you know played at San Diego State. Uh, Anthony Davis has been one of my is one of the best players. I think ever. Um, I've been following him since he was playing at Kentucky too. So, you know, one of those Kawhi, Paul George, AD, give me any of them. <laughs> oh, interesting. That 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 leads into my to my question in, in a way. Well, who are your uh, who are your top five uh, players, favorite players to watch in the NBA outside of, outside of the two? You just my five, my favorite top five players. Okay, so Luka Doncic, obviously. Um, I'd have to say Victor Oladipo because I am a Pacers fan. <sighs> I hate to say it, but love to at the same time. LeBron James. I I don't think people realize that we are honestly witnessing history right now with LeBron James. You know, our kids, our grandkids are going to, you know, grow up and be like, wow, I can't believe you got to watch him play. And we don't really think about that right now. But, um, yeah, I think LeBron James – and then I am I'm really, really excited to see Mello play. I am very excited. I love I love Lavar. I love um, okay. th- that's actually one of the people that like inspires me, even though he can be um, a k- kind of a nutcase sometimes. Lavar is so how do I say this? He's like a marketing genius. Yes. Yes. That's why I like, respect yes. him so much. Like, even though like he said and done some things that have kind of been very disrespectful in the past, he is that man has been able to bring n- nothing out of like you know nothing into something. And the fact that three of his sons are in the are in the league right now, well, Jell's unguaranteed contract, but you know. He will probably secure a spot on that Pistons roster, but uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see Mello play. And then I would say Steph and KD. Oh my gosh, I'm like this is more than five, but I'm excited to see Steph and KD back. So yeah, you make a good point with the with Levar. You know, for all the controversial stuff that he said in the past, he deserves a lot of credit, Mike. Like first dad. To- oh yeah have two brothers in a top five in NBA history, uh, right. the first brothers ever to to do that. And then mm-hmm. to have Melo, you know, have an opportunity with the Pistons who needs all hands on deck because, you know, right. it's just looking for bodies anywhere. <laughs> but um, but he, he deserves a yeah, lot yeah. of credit for that. You're absolutely right. LeVar has a ruling class mentality. And, and you see you see where it's led, where it's leads him right now, where he, where he has with his sons and things. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. <clears throat> but, yeah, but, yeah, Alia, um, Let's see here. Okay, you got your top five uh, favorite basketball players. Your top five. Your top five favorite. My top five. Okay, Deion Sanders, Neon Deion, primetime. Oh, there we go. Number one. Number one. Primetime. Primetime's in mine too. (laughs) Number one favorite player. And, you know, he's honestly been able to brand himself really well, even during when he was playing football and after. Just like, uh, you know, OBJ, I, I don't really like him as a person. He's been able to brand himself really well um, in the league. But 
Uh, so primetime is one. Troy Polamalo, growing up, one of my favorite players. Obviously, I have to say Peyton Manning. He is, he is, he is the guy. Him, I loved him growing up. And Joe Montana is one of my favorite players as well. And probably, I hate to say this, Tom Brady is one of my favorites as well. Come on, even though, go. even though I grew up hating that guy grew up hating him deflate gate was probably the most traumatic experience in my life <laughs> oh well obviously you're a Colts fan <laughs> yeah no I'm a, I'm a huge Colts fan but uh like I said like even though <clears throat> there are certain teams I don't like or that might be like rivalries I can respect a great player amazing player so what i found interesting there's no andrew luck there no ty hilton dwight freeney bob sanders andrew luck andrew luck betrayed me and the whole state of indiana no i I love that guy i love that guy uh uh, yeah jeff saturday all of them yeah dwight freeney gosh i'm like i'm like getting emotional thinking about like prime time prime prime of the colts but yeah it's, it's funny you bring up Andrew Luck because, you know, the first six years of his career, he had a terrible offensive line. He continued, yeah. to, continued to get hit. The defense was subpar to, to some degree for, for a consistent stretch. But at the same time, the year he retired, the year he decided to retire, right. it's like he finally got yeah. everything he wanted. He got a solid defense. He got the offensive line. Right. He got the running game. He had the receivers. I, I thought they with, were I'll a real the time, With Andrew Luck in the lineup, with, with Andrew Luck in the lineup, I thought so a super contending team. How did, that oh, had to be crazy no. sports fans. That, that was the hardest pill to swallow. Like, I was like, if he had just stayed, like, oh, if he had just stayed two more years, just two more seasons. Like, he had, jo- we have Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman Jr., T.Y. Hilton, Naheem Hines, Forrest Buckner, Jacoby. Like, what? I was like, this is a team of superstars. And I was like, dang, it's just so unfortunate. And now we have Philip Rivers, who honestly isn't bad, but you know, it's, it's nowhere in the, right. nowhere in the level, right? Uh, I don't sure. <laughs> well, I think that wraps it up with, with our segment. Um, it, it's always a pleasure to have um, some of our great guests. Um, you were one of them, um, most definitely. If folks, if you guys want to connect with Alia as well. Um, our description box below will go ahead and put all the social media platforms that uh, she is in, all the uh, contributing ones that she is involved in as well. And um, hopefully you're a returning guest with us as well. No doubt. No, no doubt, Ailey. I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Sebi, this is one of our best guests Agreed. so far. Agreed for there sure. for sure. Thank you guys so much. I love being on. And we are back here in the Sebi Podcast Radio Show for our third and final segment with us today, Mike. And uh, it's always nice to see the state of Indiana, such a rich tradition, rich franchise for its football and basketball and both sports. It doesn't get better than that. Indiana really knows, and it's really thirsty for sports, Mike. No, it definitely is. And being being how dominant they've been college football this year, they've climbed their way back up. 
in the rankings of one of the top teams that competing against a team like Ohio State uh, and almost beating them a few weeks ago just just shows you how how where this team is going and, and the direction they're headed in, and where Indiana is going in general as far as the school is concerned. So um, I, I'm excited for them. I, I'm glad to see good competition out there in Indiana, and it's just, it's a sports city that much that's much needed. They they needed this. Yeah, absolutely, there for sure. And special thanks to Alia who came on and spoke with us to nice. today as well, Mike. Um, the NBA, lots of things that's been going on. We shift our attention now to the NBA, Mike, where a lot of big news. If you're in rock the purple and gold and you're a Laker fan, this must be heaven for you. LeBron James, mm-hmm. two years, $85 million extension, as well as Anthony Davis, who got the ideal max, five years, 190 mil. Fully guaranteed, Mike, all incentives, injuries, and liabilities as well. I think they've locked up their guy for the future once the king himself rests and he all retires there as well. Uh, some great additions, Mike, um, to with Schroeder, with Montrez Harrell, with some of these other guys. I think the Lakers by far have done their job, and Rob Palenka deserves a lot of credit, Mike. No, he definitely does. You know, you know, we knew that once, once they secured a championship and they won the NBA title, that it was almost a foregone conclusion that Anthony Davis was going to resign uh, and stay and stay with the Lakers. I was, I, I wasn't, I wasn't worried at all about whether LeBron James was going to stay or not. And we knew he was going to, he, he was going to stay in LA, and uh, he wants to continue to win championships and continue to build his his brand outside of basketball out there in Hollywood. So, um, I, I was, I was for sure that that was going to happen. But um, you know, all the other acquisitions that they were able to acquire the, the, the Dennis Schroeder, the Montrez Harrell, the, uh, you know, guys like that. It's, just, it's so many different players that they acquired this offseason. You know, yes, they lost Avery Bradley. Yes, they lost Rajon Rondo. Marcus All they acquired. So they, they, they picked up some nice pieces that, um, that, 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 that can help them moving forward and potentially repeat the champions. Agreed, agreed. They're, they're looking to repeat again. LeBron James stated out, he said, this young Lakers, he thinks, mm-hmm. believes, has a great shot of repeating as well mike and uh that actually brings us to our winners of free agency mike and uh, some big teams that made big 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 acquisitions the atlanta hawks boy they came mm-hmm. out of the gutter mike they're looking sure. to potentially make the playoffs this year um one of my biggest winners as well as the um nuts right you're Nets, assuming that you're a Nets fan now because of your Kyrie Irving guys there. <laughs> assuming uh, getting Shamit and getting some yeah. of these other additions as well, surrounding shooters and added pieces around an already uh, loaded team um, besides Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Those are probably my two biggest ones in the East um, there as well. So I want to bring to you, Mike, some of your biggest winners post-free agency. Yeah, um, one of them was Miami. So far, the Miami Heat. I mean, obviously they come. They're coming off a, a, a birth in the NBA Finals and um, Eastern Conference Championship and things like that. But I, I feel like they made smart moves this offseason. You know, re-signing Bam Adebayo, not looking so far, not looking to uh, break this team up and break this core up and to try to get a young or something to Kunko right now. Uh, it's, I love the moves that Miami's made, and they've actually added some other pieces in order to, to assure the depth of this team. Because when you have a young team like this, a young, gritty team and a well-ran organization, like Pat Riley and one of the greatest, one of the best coaches in the game, 
and Eric Spolster, you don't want to break up that core. I, I was I was very I was very worried that the Miami Heat would break up their core in order to get a big piece like Giannis Antetokounmpo. When you have all these guys that they have on their team, yes, they lost Jake Crowder and guys like that, but but they have they have pieces to this team. Tyler Hero still there. Duncan Duncan Robinson is still there. You uh, veteran leadership. You know, Udonis has them. Has come back and said that he's going to come back for another season. And him being on the bench is vital for this team and vital for the growth of this team. And I love what I've seen from the Miami Heat, but I've also I've also loved what I've seen from the um, from the Washington Wizards. You know, yesterday obviously acquiring uh, trading John Wall for Russell Westbrook. Now, now let me now, let me get this straight. Everybody knows I'm a Wizards fan. John Wall watching his growth ever since 2010, being drafted number one overall, has been amazing. This guy, that not was only my what guy, he does, man. that's my guy. Yeah, man. Oh, oh man, who you telling, man? Not only what he does on the court. But what he does off the court, seventy-seven, he does so much for the community. Not not in, not just in his home back in North Carolina, but he's he's done a lot in D.C. A lot a lot of stuff that doesn't get a lot of media press. A lot of stuff that doesn't get in the conversation. He does a lot for the community. He he's still he's going to continue to do a lot for the community, and uh, he will be missed in D.C. We love him. We truly love John Wall, and um, we we just know that it was it was time to move on, man. Anybody that was a real Wizards fan and knew that what was going on in that in the that inner circle with the team, it was it was just time to move on. You know, you had a situation in uh, Washington where where John Wall and Bradley Bill they weren't necessarily enemies, but they didn't have the best of relationships throughout. And then you have a situation with Houston where Russell Westbrook and James Harden they're great friends, but they knew that they weren't the best fit to play with each other. So what do they do? They swap point guards, and now we have Russell Westbrook coming to join Bradley Bill. The Wizards also. Resigned David Bertans, which was a huge, huge pickup for us. We needed to continue to keep him because of the type, the sniper that he showed that he can be last year. Seven, he was an absolute sniper last year for the Washington Wizards. Three from from three point shooting range, he was one of the best in the game last year. So we needed to resign him. He deserved every bit of that eighty million dollars on that five year contract that he got. I'm impre- I'm very excited about my Wizards and the moves we're gonna make. Russell Westbrook is gonna be a show every night with Bradley Beal. And what he brings to the table, the only question I have for Russell Westbrook is the only question we've always had about Russell Westbrook over the years. Yes, he's an explosive. Yes, he's electric. And But is 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 he going to defer when need to, when need be to Bradley Bill if, if it comes down to that? And is his IQ going to get him in the way of, of, of potentially getting us over that next step in the championships? So. Agreed. Agreed there as well. Uh, some of the biggest winners, Mike, um, uh, there for sure. I thought, like I said, Atlanta, they did well. Um, there as well. So the NBA season start to uh, uh, creep up here. Um, you talk about in, in less than two weeks, um, the, these games are about to start um, here as well. What is a team and both conferences, Mike, that didn't make the playoffs last year that you think that can really, really do some damage and not only win a round or two, but maybe can make a run? And who's that team in the Western Conference and who's that team in the East? Well, in the Eastern Conference, we talked about them already. You brought them up as one of your winners, and that's the Atlanta Hawks. You know, acquiring the Rajon Rondo, Chris Dunn, Danilo Gallinari, on top of the growth of a Trey Young and uh, the growth of a of a of a um, Cameron Cameron Reddish, uh, uh, you know, guys like that, and uh, John Collins and uh, Kevin Herter and guys like that. This this is a young team that, and I, I feel like this is the biggest key, Sevy. Last couple of seasons, last few seasons, they had Vince Carter on their team. That was a veteran piece that uh, you know showed them the ropes on how to be a professional on an everyday basis, and that was key for a young up-and-coming team. 
and you saw the growth of this team. You saw them compete at a high level, but but struggle in closing out games. But like adding adding another veteran piece, not a Vince Carter's retired, like a Rajon Rondo, a championship piece like that, who can channel the energy when when Trey Young goes to the bench. You have another point guard who can run the floor and run great offense for you. That's important. That's vital for a team. This Atlanta Hawks team, in my opinion, is going to be one of the top eight seeds in the Eastern Conference and make the playoffs. And it's going to be very, very dangerous to see what they do in the uh, West. In the Western Conference, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Mm. I, like, I like what I've seen. I like what I've seen from them. You know, obviously acquiring Anthony Edwards in the draft. You still have a DeAndre. You still have a D'Angelo Russell. You still have a. You still have a Carl Anthony Towns there. You know, it's, it, it, this is a very interesting ball club. Uh, and all of us, I saw the emergence of this team last year. They, were, they weren't quite playoff ready yet, but you could see that a couple pieces away, you could see the growth of this team, that one more year, that experience of last year coming up short in certain games is going to propel them and get them over the hump this year potentially. And I see this Minnesota team, uh, I'm not 100% confident that they'll make the playoffs, but, but I'm telling you right now, if they continue to ball and dominate and they can come together as a cohesive unit, not only will they be exciting to watch for fans in Minnesota, but they will also be uh, a team that's fighting for, the, for one of the top ACs in the Western Conference. It's going to be tough because they're in the West. Obviously, it's going to be tough. But um, uh, this is definitely a team that I'm looking at as potential, could be a potential playoff team. Right. I agree there for sure. My team in the West is going to be the Golden State Warriors, Mike, even without Clay Thompson. I still think this team is gonna be is gonna be a force to reckon with. I think we're gonna see Steph Curry revert to uh probably 2016, 2015 Steph Curry when he won those back to back MVPs, assuming he's healthy. Now he's 32 okay. years old, he's not the quite the same guy he was in his twenties, but I mean the guys that are shooters, they age well um in the NBA, and I don't think that's gonna be a problem for him. Draymond Green, you're gonna see a motivated Draymond Green. I think that James Wiseman, Kel, Kelly Oubre, and also uh, Andrew Wiggins, they're going to buy into the warrior system and, and what the identity of, the, of being a warrior is very quickly. I think Andrew Wiggins, if there's a coach out there that can get the best out of somebody, it's Steve Kerr. They're gonna, you're going to see a great, great, great complimentary piece with Andrew Wiggins. Kelly Oubre with the obviously filling in the role for Clay Thompson. He's a guy that's going to come in. He's a plug-and-play guy. He's the guy, the guy that can play defense and also get buckets uh, 15 to 17 points per game on the offensive end. So Golden State, to me, is that team. I love the addition of Brad Wanamaker from my Boston Celtics and some of the pieces that they got in the bench along with Willie Colley-Stein. So the Warriors, Mike, I, I think they're the team in the West. And the okay. East, I, I, got, I must agree, it's going to have to be the Atlanta Hawks. Um, you mentioned all those key players, but the sixth overall pick, and I think he's going to play a big role as well. And that is um, Unyeka Okongu out of USC. Perhaps the very best passing big, but also shot blocking big in the draft. Um, you pair that up with John Collins and Capella inside, you may have yourself a block party in Atlanta. I, I think that those two teams have definitely are in position to definitely make the playoffs. No, they're not lying. So uh, you see, the reason I didn't say the Warriors because I feel like they're a lot. You know, I, I, yeah. to be honest with you, they, they've been in the finals in the past five years. I almost forgot that they didn't make the playoffs last year. You know, it's, it's one of those weird situations with them. And, um, you know, I expect them to go to the playoffs, but that Clay Thompson injury hurt, man. I'm, I'm talking that 
with Clay Thompson in that lineup with the addition that they made. I mean, this is a championship team. Literally back into championship form coming off a, a disappointing season. But um, you know, with Clay Thompson out, I can't sing I can't scream championship anymore. I can scream playoffs. So I agree with you on the uh, your Golden State Warriors pick. And um but yeah, and I also agree with Atlanta. You brought up a great point about Clint Capella. Offensively, we know what Atlanta can bring to the table because they've been a light time offensive team for the last couple of years, especially with Trey Young at the helm. But defensively, that run protection and, and uh, Clint, what, what Clint Capella is going to bring to the table as far as guarding the paint, that that's going to elevate this team on the defensive side. And man, the, the, this, it's just talking about it, just envisioning what I'm going to see in Atlanta night in and night out is, is almost scary at this point. Agree, agree there for sure, Reggie. It's all it's gonna be great, 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 great to see <clears throat> what they got going out there moving on forward. Um, here, um, something special to behold as we wrap up here, Mike, with our segment for today. Any last words and thoughts, uh, as we wind down? Yeah, so you know, Seb, you know what time it is. You know, college basketball started last week, it's been a lot going on. You know, we had a couple classics, a couple tournaments, um, to start off the season. Uh, you know, I've, I've been paying very close attention to VCU. Got a chance to talk to Mike Rhodes on Monday uh, in, in the weekly press conference. Um, VCU is now 2-2. Two two. They had an upset loss against Penn State last night, 72-69 um, at the buzzer. At the buzzer. So, I mean, they came all the way back, uh, tied the game up, but it just wasn't enough against Penn State. Penn State is a nice ball club. It's going to be a team to, to, to look out for later on in the, uh, as, as the season progresses. But um, I'm paying very close attention to this VCU team. I'm paying very close attention to – you know, the Georgetown, Georgetown as well, as far as they brought some of their players back from last year. It's uh, college basketball is here, it's back and it's here. And uh, you got you got big time teams like Gonzaga. Gonzaga's been very impressive so far from what I've seen this year. And uh, this this is a this is gonna be a very interesting Gonzaga, uh, man. I look, you could take the field. Give me Gonzaga, man. Jalen Suggs, Nemhard hey, transferred from Florida. I mean, uh, <laughs> Joel Ayayi, and I'm, look, Corey Kispert, All American. Look, you could take the. <laughs> I'm telling you this, Mike. I, I I might have to buy a Zags jersey this year. <laughs> no, you're, you're not lying, man. Because Zags is fun to watch, man. They're, it's not only just fun to watch. They're a fundamentally sound basketball team. They 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 they, they play tight together and they play they they knock down shots. So I'm I'm very impressed with what I've seen from the the preseason number one team, Gonzaga Bulldogs, so far this year. But college basketball is here, man. I know it's no fans in the in the arena. But um, the, the competition I'm seeing on the court right now, you know, Richmond, Richmond on on Sunday. Uh, the Richmond Spiders going to, going and beating Kentucky by 12 points. You know, it, it's, it's uh, this Richmond team is somebody I've been paying attention to um, in the area for the last couple of years. And this team, I'm not, I wasn't surprised when they beat them because this is a team that this is a program that's been continuously building and has been on the rise of of stardom. And, and now they're where they are right now, being a top 25, top 20, excuse me, team in the country. And it's going to go up even more with that big win. So. It's, 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 a, it's a lot going on in college basketball, and I'm just excited. This is a great time for sports fans in general. Agreed, agreed there for sure. I'm excited too, Mike. Um, best for everyone. We'll be back here on air next week. Um, and this was the Sevy Podcast Radio Show for myself and Mike. We're saying so long from now until next week. Hey, everyone, we're excited just as much as you guys tonight if you enjoyed this show. And frankly, even some of our other episodes as well. If you want to show your appreciation for the show, ensure that you leave us a rating and a review in our iTunes and Spotify. And remember, you can stay locked in here and connected. SevyPodcast.info link for the latest news, articles, interviews, and much more. And remember, wherever you're listening on air or online, the Sebi Podcast is wherever you go.